This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, I'm Phil Hodgkinson, and you're listening to... Welcome to episode 47 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. This week, Huddersfield Town's unbeaten run disappeared as quickly as a Twitter account posting videos or pictures of a La Liga game. Well, Huddersfield Town taught... <laughs> <laughs> Were Huddersfield Town taught a valuable lesson in shithousing 101, or was it just one of those days at the office? Joining me, Matt, today is a man who was at Homeland last week, but with us today is Mr. Neil Wayne. How are you, Neil? Not so bad, thank you. Feeling better? Not really, but what are you? Soldiering on. Yeah. Uh, alongside him, guarding his notebook like a member of the Ministry of State Security, is Simon Copland. Evening, Matt. You okay? Enjoy the game Saturday? Not particularly. Okay. I'm alright but I didn't particularly enjoy the game <laughs> I thought it'd be a short answer because I need to do the intros but. And using his one and only phone call From a Twitter carcel to ring into the podcast Is our Spanish branch <laughs> Is El Coso Loco How are you? Hola, I'm in, twi- I'm in Twitter jail They've just let me out for an hour uh, Give me a bit of water and yeah I'm back in uh, the cells in about an hour time, guys. So yeah let's crack on it What a disaster, I couldn't believe it but, Yeah, super cause I'm hoping to come back as like as an AFC Wimbledon maybe, but at the moment I'm suspended. Uh, I know Neil, you kind of tw- I tried to set up that other account. Well, I did, and obviously you tweeted it, Neil, didn't you, Sunday morning? But I think they're onto me. So anyone who followed, unfollowed, it might have done them a favour. So I cancelled that account, and yeah, I'm ready to find a sentence. But yeah, this could be my last pod, so I better make it a good one, guys. <laughs> right, we're moving on to uh, something. Something nice. So Andy Takes That Chance is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, Magic Rock have been kind enough to provide you good listeners with 10% off online purchases if you use the code MAGICCHANCE10. 
Uh, maybe we'll see you down there as well on the on November the 23rd against Birmingham City. If you do remember, the collection point of the blue bins at the entrance uh, is for the Welcome Centre where cans of food and warm winter clothing are most welcome. So maybe we'll see you down there or maybe at the Swansea game. So, Cosy, so you're live in jail. So um, before you start rattling on the bars, we'll uh, we'll get things moving. So uh, Preston 3, Huddersfield Town 1, we finally lost a game. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a Brentford podcast, uh, did did we just get out shithoused by a team who do that sort of thing very well, Neil? Deservedly lost on the day. Um, the, the biggest negative for me was the performance of one or two individuals. Weren't particularly bad performances. There were not interesting performances, which was quite annoying. Um, but any team that's on a run like we are, going well, Got away to a good side. If you're taking out three players who are playing really well at the moment, in Johnny Ogg, Fraser Campbell and Jaden Brown, to miss those three, that really swung the, the game in Preston's favour, in my opinion. Uh, someone else who Huddersfield Town fans felt swung the re- uh, swung the uh, game in Preston fans' favour as well, Simon, was Jeff the Ref, uh, Elchenham, uh, who had us on the day. He, he refereed us against Derby at the start of the season. No complaints about that one. Um so we'll talk about goal one. Goal one came very quickly, straight into the start of the game. Uh, we've seen the uh, replays. Um, not a free kick, in my opinion, but the referee gave it. One or two frustrating moments in the lead-up to the goal kick, and one person in particular who should have attacked the ball and decided to drop off 10 yards and hide. Uh, but it gave the free kick. Just a frustrated start, would you say, uh, Simon? No, I'll come to you in a bit, Cosy, because I know you missed the first little little while, so we'll bring you, in, bring you in shortly. But Simon, would you say that was a bit of a, a frustrating start? It was a great free kick from Gallagher, to be fair, but the award of the free kick and the uh, the staticness was a, a little bit slow. Yeah, I think going away to Preston, we all knew it was going to be a difficult day, and those kind of first 10, 15 minutes were really important. And we certainly didn't have the start we uh, needed or wanted. Um, yes, look, from my point of view, it's, it's not a free kick. I think kind of the referee gives that kind of incorrectly. Um but at the same time, we kind of want us to set up and defend kind of the moments building up to that a little bit better. Um, what I would say for me, I think kind of Grabara had his wall slightly wrong. I don't think it was kind of far enough to the left um, as what it should have been or perhaps there needed to be another man in there. Um, but yeah, it was a good set piece as they were all day. And then obviously Preston were kind of the first to, uh, first to rebound and we were 1-0 behind before the game had even started. To be fair, they absolutely ruined us on set pieces all day. They were whipping it in from all angles. Gallagher... Rightly one man at match, your best player on pitch mm. by a long way. They um, did the same last time we went there, yeah. didn't we? 2016. We've been from everywhere. And yeah, they just ruined us. But that, where we were sat, I said it's not a free kick as soon as I saw it. You can tell where the ball goes. It's just not a free kick. But obviously, you've still got to defend it properly once it's been given. And, and the frustrating thing, it should have never got to that stage because no. Congolo should have attacked the ball from, yeah. from the off, which which was an, a, a frustrating point. Um I think the, the 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 talking point and the the I wouldn't say turning point of the game because Preston were already on top by by this point. Um, but the the main talking point, Neil, was the challenge from Ryan Ledson on on Tommy Elphick. It, it's potentially put it put Tommy Elphick out of the game. Um, John Stankovic came on and got some minutes, which I'm sure he was happy about um, going on the previous week. But that tackle to me, studs up, leg straight, force excessive force. It's got to be a red card. Red. It's red, and it's it's not a biased shout for a red card. It's a red card, and when you see an experienced sort of old school centre back going off injured from a challenge, you know it's been bad. So, 
to see that back again, it just sort of rubber stamps the fact that it's a red card. And as much as you can't, I'm not one of these, you can't blame referee for result on the day. Preston were full value for beating us. But there were a couple of massive decisions there that's led to the first goal and they should have been down of 10. I have a slightly different opinion, um, but having kind of looked back over Twitter and what have you, it feels like I'm in the minority. Um, I will say that. Um, so, yeah, kind of potentially was it a red, perhaps, but um, I think kind of that's, that's not what cost us on the day. We kind of lost the game because of the kind of way we kind of didn't apply ourselves and kind of a number of people had kind of some quite poor performances. But it's interesting, obviously, Cowley's comments after the game, just coming back to the, the referee's performance, he mentioned afterwards, didn't he, that he'd been and visited the ref in his room and uh, he kind of openly said to him, if he had his time again, he'd make some quite different decisions and kind of probably think that the yellow card or the red card was probably one of those. So the second, we'll talk about the second goal as well, which I know that which was incredibly frustrating, I think, from a defensive point of view. Uh, Alex Neal has been vocal in... I won't say criticism of Danny Cowley after the game, but he he did mention that Danny Cowley was quite vocal of his criticism from the side of the pitch in Jaden Stockley. And, and trust me, no one was more vocal of Jaden Stockley than what I was. I hated him. It, for me, he, he was Alan Lee Mark II, elbowing, kneeing, jumping into people, kicking. It was a horrible, horrible striker. It'd be great for us, honestly. But him... He, you know, in the, sort of that goal, the ball comes in from the flank. You know, there's no effort to... To, cl- to close um, the ball in from, from wide. Uh, Stockley pushes, pushes Stankovic. Danny Simpson then gets drawn in. It, it's it's not great defending. Then you can hear Jaden Stockley dive and scream at the top of his voice. Uh, and then everybody's completely switched off and it's heads have gone all across the pitch at this point. And I think this is maybe one thing, maybe particularly where we miss Jonathan Hogg. I know Jonathan Hogg will come to you because it is, um, you can see him kicking and screaming quite a lot, but in terms of organisation, he never loses that. And I think maybe Elphick and Hogg were massive losses for the rest of the game. And I think heads went and it, we didn't really get them back until 20 minutes before the end. I thought that would have penalty if it wasn't going to be a goal. I'm sorry to uh, maybe a uh, controversial comment. Watched it back a lot of times on the uh, on the replay. I thought that would have penalty. And I just thought all afternoon we were second best. Uh, just pulled up a stat here, Matt. I don't think Preston have lost at home since March, something like that as well. 23 points out of the last nine games at home. So, unbelievable record at home. I thought they were more hungrier. They wanted it more. I thought, you know, like I said, the batter as we cross us. It was a game too far for us, guys. I, I wasn't feeling much coming in. I, to be fair, I felt uh, a little bit more optimistic for the Brentford game. But they got on slow. The pressing game, you you watch back, the highlights were slow, were laboured. They're hungry. They're ripped into us. They're prop. They, they treat us like we were, you know, on this amazing unbeaten run. We, I think we kind of went there where we've done the, the work at Brentford. And okay, yeah, Jonathan, I've massive miss. Uh, yeah, we might have kept it down a little bit, but going forward, we offered nothing. I mean, the international team, Paul Walker was doing a commentary, good commentator, and he was like, wow, what has he done this unbeaten run? What are they offering? They're offering absolutely nothing. And it was painful to watch because it was just like last year, Gallagher were just calling a tune. We didn't have any idea how to stop it. And, it's a bit different when you're watching it, obviously, on the screen. You guys were there, and I've, you know, I didn't see the, uh, the incident with Elphick. It sounds like, you know, a controversial one, but all I saw were one team that were hungry. Really, they prepared like we were top of the form table, and I just thought it were like, well, we've had a good run. We'll give it a go, but yeah, and the game was done. And to be honest, after 2 0 early doors, I was thinking four or five. It was bad as well, but yeah, I, I just thought they were the yardstick. It just shows where we are. We are development. Again, I mean, you put us right, but have we done anything since we've 
have we ever come back from a, a goal down since you know Cowley's won this game? We haven't, have we? So that's the next part of development. I'm just unconvinced that Blackburn, we've got what it yeah. takes to Blackburn, come on. We came back from two yeah, down. So Blackburn, sorry, yeah, we got a point there, but this would have level up, and with the test, simple as that. We we did, but there's, I think there's reasons behind it. I think obviously. You've known Johnny Ogg for a start, massive loss because he's just getting back into some good form. I think Congolo, they were like playing with 10. Massive miss of Jaden Brown left back. Congolo played completely uninterested. Um, Chalabar were like playing with nine, Neil. I'm yeah, sorry, Ch- but Chalabar he, just, great. he looks. But it's, you, he just likes to me a guy who's. Sorry, he just looks like to me a guy who's. When the game's nice, it'd be good in Spain with Chalabar. Time on the ball, you know, ambling about, nice pick of passes. In a game like that, it was a proper raw game and Alex Neal had it up for it. It was useless, man. It, the guy, to me, after that August, what what has been going on? Because to me, I just, he would not be in my first 11 on a no needs must on Saturday with Hog out. But to me, he's, he's nowhere near us. I think at the end of the day, I think when you look at no. the squad we've got, for me at the moment. I think... The, the Cowleys have got this tune out of them with seven unbeaten so early in their un, in their reign with this squad at, at their disport, you know, at their disport. What's the word? Disposal. Yeah, at their disposal. <laughs> Can't think of the word. Um, yeah, with this squad, that they've done a brilliant job, and it were never going to carry on. It were never going to carry on, and. We can lose at worse places than Preston, and let's be fair. Don't matter what team we put out, we'll get beat at Preston. But if you look at it, if you break it down, into, if you break it down, if somebody said to you before those two away games, you're going to get three points out of these two, you'd, you'd have took that all day long. And I think it's fallen at a good time now. They've two weeks to get, hopefully, a couple of players back. Obviously, I'll be back from suspension. Um, they've gone away doing some warm weather training. So I think it's a good time. A bit of a wake-up call for people as well, because there were a few people getting a bit too carried away with this run and starting talking about playoffs and stuff. You know, Let's concentrate on staying in league first before we get too carried away. I think I think there's been warning signs as well for, for that performance. I, don't, I, don't know, I think you know, there, there have been games where we've started like that in the first 10 minutes, you know, first 10, 15 minutes, and the opposition just hasn't hasn't pressed us, hasn't really you know, got on top of us. And I think there are too many times where we do have these... Uh, periods, sort of 10, 15, 20 minute periods in games whereby we lull and we and we look pedestrian, we look slow. Uh, Hull City, even when we beat Hull City 3-0, there was a, a sort of 15, 20 minute period where Hull were on top and we just looked, we were rocking. And I think it just shows of where the team's at and the lack of cohesiveness together and, and maybe the, the fact that we don't have, or the Cowleys probably, probably don't have who they want, where they want, just The thing yet. is as well, you're taking out, out of this run, you're taking out two of our most experienced players who have definitely been leaders in this run with Johnny Ogg and Fraser Campbell and you're still fixed the majority of the game as well yeah so you know to take those out of it it's massive it's absolutely massive so I think it's, it's one of those you take it on the chin put, rub it away job done next on, how uh, it's only a short time though could bring in a £17 million defender which would should strengthen any team and it makes it worse I mean what is going on with Congolo at the moment story. it's embarrassing that that first season is just a total distant memory. That's this magic, you know, incredible. It, it, it's disgrace, really, isn't it? The guy clearly didn't want to be here. His performance was pathetic. Honestly, you might as well have got a leave, someone out of Lee Bromby's academy. Because See, I, I, I got ruined for saying that on Twitter at weekend, but people sort of missed the point. It, it wasn't that 
I thought it had a bad game. It, it was just that it looked. It, I mean, it had a bloody awful game, but it just it it wasn't loads of effort and a bad game. I can I can let that go out every day, but it was a, an awful game with absolutely zero interest in being there, and that's unforgivable when you cost I, I that kind of money. I completely agree. It kind of um, there was no intensity about his game. No kind of get up and go. No, no. drive. Um, he kind of looked. Uh, just disinterested at times, didn't offer anything going forward, was out of position defensively. Yes, we've spoken about whether he's a left back or left sided centre half, but but irrespective of that, kind of kind of some fundamental basic Eff- errors. It's minimum, there. isn't it? Yeah, of course. Eff- yeah, it's yeah, minimum. Yeah. And when, when we're all sat here and we're all to a man, and probably everybody else in the ground would pick a very young, very inexperienced 20, 21 year old left back signed on a freebie from Tottenham. Over a seventeen and a half million pound Dutch international, that sort of says it all about when where Congolo is at the minute, and I think January can't come soon enough for everybody. I think a lot of questions on the town's fans' lips right now is uh, kind of how long is Jaden Brown going to be out for, and when we'll be back? Because um, based on Saturday's performance, he's kind of uh, a shoo-in to get straight back in the team. Really, and the frustrating thing about Congolo in particular was you could tell that it just looked like he didn't want to be that he wanted to be anywhere else yeah, but there. And they pulled out of several headers. He pulled out of several tackles. When we had the ball, he went and stood behind Preston, Preston players. And at one point, Ryan, I know he's been out for a few weeks. He's, he's injured and people quite rightly point to rustiness. I, I don't buy it. I think a 17 and a half million Dutch international who's been out for three or four weeks doesn't get outpaced by Ryan Ledson running with the ball through the middle of the pitch, leaving him for dead. I just didn't think he wanted to be there. And it, R- and it really frustrated let me. Go. Lethargic, can't be arseness. Nah, sorry. Out on. So we spoke about Shalabar there, we spoke about Congolo. The one um, kind of surprising selection for me, and the other one who was disappointing was Diakabi, actually. Um, I think hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I imagine if Danny Cowell had his time again, he might have kind of looked to go for someone who was going to put themselves a lap out a little bit in that first half. But yeah, he was another one who kind of, because the game wasn't kind of going the way he wanted it to, didn't seem to roll his sleeves up for me, didn't really seem to get stuck in, and actually kind of, um, I think he should have probably been withdrawn a little bit sooner than what he I was. tactically, Preston were very good in what they did. What what Preston did is they, they squeezed all the space, they got really tight, they pressed in, they made everything compact. When we had the ball, they, they had 11 around us, they were, they were very good at what they did, and it squeezed the life out of us. So people like O'Brien... Bakuna, Diakabi, they just couldn't get any time on the ball or any space to work into. And you've got to give Preston a lot of credit for the game plan of what they did. And one thing, Neil, which changed it was the introduction of Steve Mounier from from the bench. The game became incredibly stretched and you could see visibly Preston dropped 10, 15 yards deeper because we all of a sudden we had an out ball. Because one mistake, I always say it's a mistake to play Grant Central up front. He didn't play that for me, but Mounier... For me, came on, and all of a sudden, Neil, it's a completely different game. Do you not think he should have changed it earlier, though? He had two subs at half-time. For me, 2-0 down at half-time, the game's gone. You've got to score that next goal. And the fact he let the game run another 20 minutes before he introduced Mooney and Pritchard, for me, was, was a big mistake. I'd have liked to have seen that make those two changes at half-time. Yes, it's quite brave, it's quite bold. All right, at the time, we didn't know Simpson was carrying injury. I think I think prob- the, prob- the problem is that you've already made one, one change in for staff. I just think you've got anything from actually, the game, you've got actually to go brave. You're going balls deep at half-time. I would have. I would have. Well, that might have been the right answer, but they didn't do it. But when we did see, on, on on the flip side of that, to turn it into a positive, we did see a decent 15 minutes out of Mooney and Pritchard. Didn't look rusty. No, they, they, they gave us, you know, there is another option there for us. You know, I, th- I think it's one of those, we, we can read a million things into the rest of the game, but whatever we're doing in that game, we weren't getting out of that on Saturday. Don't, I don't think it matter bringing whoever on at half-time. We weren't getting out, out of that. We, it were done. It were done we at just, 2-0. We, we just were slow. So, 
slow guys, God, if I could say it right. Just looking here, I've got Matt and Nick Chalkigi with stats. We had 62% possession, which can imagine going to Preston and saying we'd have that. One shot on goal. We were so slow. It was almost like going back to some of the uh, Premier League stuff under Wagner. But at the end of the day, we played two good teams, Preston and Sheffield Wednesday in the Cowley era. They're a cut above what you know we've beaten and drawn against in between. We know what its development is to come. And uh, yeah, it's just a bit of a shame, really, kind of the injuries that come out of the game. I don't think Sheffield Wednesday were anything to write home about. I thought Brentford were a far better side than Sheffield Wednesday, to be honest. I think it just shows where we are. We're inconsistent. And I think inconsistency will will happen throughout the, the rest of the season. Seven unbeaten, though. You'd take that, wouldn't you? If, if somebody said we're going to go yeah. seven unbeaten, I'd love another we're going seven. to win four of them, then you're going to get an absolutely dreadful performance at Preston. You said, deal, next. I think that you're right, Neil. And, and I just felt, coming away on Saturday, I kind of thought, wow, the Cowleys have done brilliant, I think, to get the points that we have. I, I, all I could do was feel that. Because it's okay saying, yeah, the, the beat the sides around you and what have you. It's easier said than done. We saw that last year in the Premier League where we had that great you know, period of allegedly in December where, you know, the sides around us. It's all right saying we should beat them, but you, you know, there's nothing guaranteed. So I just think, like you said there, mate, great time to have the international break. Yeah. And sometimes I think the last uh, last time it wasn't maybe the good time, but obviously the run continued. Dubai looks a bit warmer than uh, other shield at just the moment. So let's see what we kind of I come back with. The, <laughs> I think the difference is as well this time is that with the Cowleys, we haven't lost a game. Yeah, it were, it were bad, but we're not all walking away thinking oh, no, here we go again, because you know that these two will sort it, and you know that the next game, obviously you can't call whether it's going to be a win, draw, or a defeat, but what you do know is that they'll work on what went wrong. They've got a couple of players coming back, they'll make changes, and they will sort it out, because that's just what they'll do. They are good. They are very, very good. I've no doubts. So what I'll do is uh, we'll uh, we'll turn this over to you. I think you had a couple of questions, Cosy, so I'll give you a moment to, to gather your thoughts. But Leeds are giving it straight to Moy again, who shoots! What a goal, Aaron Moy! An absolute thunderbolt delivered all the way from Australia! Right, back from uh, happier times. Yeah, so, eh? so off you go, Cos. Yeah, one of mine, I just, it's hard to judge, but I just wonder after what we've seen on Saturday, obviously against the great kind of marker against Preston, where, where is this group of players capable of getting us to? Because... I think it's a bit of a confusing picture to me. Obviously, we saw what Mounier and Pritchard brought, you know, to the party. And I would like to, you know, my thoughts on Pritchard. I'm a fan and I'd like to see him hang around longer than January. And who knows? But Mounier, we were talking last couple of weeks, he could be gone. But it was a bit of a, I suppose, you might not judge too much into it. The game was done, Preston's cue on the rack. But he did give us some impetus. But just looking at what we've got, I suppose, opening it up to you, I don't see it being any better than top of the middle top of the bottom if you know half if you know what I mean 13th but then obviously it's going to maybe bring one or two in it'll be interesting to see it goes out but so I think if you take your point Cosy over there they've had 10 games now the Cowleys here um, I yeah. think if you extrapolate the record that over 10 games you know micro I know it's difficult to take 10 games and put it over the course of the season but if you put it over the course of the season uh, what we've won four drawn three lost three I think if you do that over the course of 46 games, you probably end up around mid-60s in terms of points, 65, 66 points. And I think if you look at last season, that kind of puts you in the upper middle pack chasing the playoffs. And I think I would say this group of players are probably capable with a fair wind of, of getting us sort of anywhere between 10th and 12th, I'd say, mate. Yeah. What do you think, Simon? Uh, where do, do you think you agree with Matt that, you know, 
kind of maybe top of the bottom. Really, it's, uh, I just look at you look at Preston. That I mean, I know they've, they've been building. To be fair, and again, I don't want to drop it in, but they were my pick for promotion, and they're looking good. But just think, a bit of craft, a bit of guile. You call it shit house today, and they had it all. And I think you said the start mark that out shit house probably was right. Really, they're and, good at it. They're good I don't at know, it. I just, they're very good at it. It's, it's, there's, yeah. more, there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? So it's not all about perfect football, and Preston are very good at what they do, being fair. I think from my point of view, on paper, this team's capable of promotion, but kind of what we've seen so far this season under Siva and under Cowley kind of suggests otherwise. Kind of, if you look at some of the names we've got in that squad, kind of people there with kind of premiership ability, people who've got promoted from the championship previously, um, we should be achieving more than what we are doing. But the reality of the situation where we are now, I think kind of, as you say, because it's top of that mid, top of that bottom half of the table, if you like, kind of feels realistic. There's some, some big, lots of talent in that squad. You look at Grant, you look at Pritchard, uh, Mooney, obviously that first season in the Premier League showed what he can do. Then at the back, you've got people like Congola, who we've spoke about already. There's lots and lots of talent in that squad. It's just the application and the desire and, and the want to either do that for Huddersfield Town Football Club feels like it's still missing a little bit. But I'm kind of sure over time, kind of Cowley will weed those people out and bring in his own, own people and then kind of fingers crossed looking to next season. Who knows what we could achieve. Yeah, what do you think, uh, I suppose? I suppose it may be another question, but that 11, that was there on Saturday, or the, the squad obviously with Hogg and that as well. Do you fast forward it to August? Do you think that'll be kind of a similar base or do you think there'll be some casualties from what, what we saw on Saturday and people kind of move on? I think there'll be casualties in January. I think there'll be two or three gone. Um, I think I, I understand what Simon's saying about, you know, the, the squad on paper promotion contenders if you're looking at them individually but when you break that down you've still got four or five of those lads there who just simply don't want to be there so it's hard, it's hard to account for that you can't call them promotion chasing teams it's you know you've got a 17 and a half million pound defender who wants to be out at door there's a couple more who want to be out at door i think that's when you find out like saturday when it gets tough that then those these are the ones that let you down aren't they absolutely and you know there's no need going over it again he didn't want to be there quicker he's gone, the better. I think this season's all about the Cowleys getting settled, sorting out who they want to keep that's there at the moment, aiming for, you know, basically aiming for not going down. I think it's as simple as that. And anything above sort of 18th, 17th is is good from where from the starting point that they got. Cool. Well, that's answered my question. You have another one as well that you wanted to to raise, didn't you, Cos? About uh, our uh, lovely head midfielder. Yeah, I kind of touched on it a little bit in some of the million questions, but what a strange one Trevor Shalabar is at the moment. And uh, I'm just not quite sure. I feel a bit harsh, kind of. But we saw in August, didn't we, when the team were absolutely dire. He was a standout, in my opinion, a standout player. Obviously, the Cowleys have come in... Uh, his performance is dip. Do you just think it's a different way that we're playing, or do you just think maybe he stood out in a really bad lineup? And I don't know. At the moment, it's, I feel so tight saying it, but is he is he here for the season? He is, isn't he? But to be honest, I'm, I'm sending back in January. If this is kind of how he's playing, the last months of performances have been very poor, haven't they? To be Let's fair, be you, you won't have seen it with your uh, your Twitter ban. Um, pretty much, it's universal over Twitter that. Everyone's had enough of him. And I think if you put a poll out on that, I think it'd be pretty high of people who'd send him back in January. I think it's a little bit harsh. I'm not sure. It, 
Sorry, I'm not sorry. What, I don't what think it's harsh. I think he's been. I think, I, I, think I think it's harsh in the sense that, from what I understand, he's played quite a lot of his career at centre half, and he's been asked to do a role for Huddersfield Town that perhaps he's a little bit less familiar with, and perhaps doing a role that he hasn't played previously. And I guess I'd question our recruitment in that sense. If we wanted a midfielder in the summer. Why have we gone out and signed someone who's kind of played a large portion, or certainly at least a creative midfielder, actually? Someone who's played the large majority of his career at a kind of centre half position. He wasn't born as a creative midfielder, though. We all, we all know the story there about Aaron Moy and Kieran Dowell. That were, Phil were pretty clear about that. But Chal- Chal- I, I totally agree. I, sorry, guys. I, I totally agree with that. It just, to me, he's not a, a central midfielder. He was almost kind of a, a square peg in a, in a round hole and. and I just don't know what his best position is because he just what seems to, be, he just seems to want so much time. And, and it's the championship that, although Ipswich guys were saying that, you know, they, they were the shining light from January onwards for them, I'm just, I'm just not sure what his best position is. But there must be a player in there somewhere because we saw it in August. I think from my point of view, at this moment in time, certainly in the kind of a, a midfield three, he doesn't get into the team for me. I would pick O'Brien, Hogg and Bakuna ahead of him and then potentially Pritchard if you wanted to play him a little bit deeper than what he's more accustomed to. So... Will Chelsea be happen, happy with him sat on our bench for the remainder of the season? I'm not so sure. But but I do feel sorry for him to an extent for the kind of what I've just said, really. He's perhaps been asked to do a role that he's not necessarily accustomed to doing. I think I'll 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 dive in a bit. And Cosy, you covered it a little bit there where it switch fans said he was a little bit in and out uh, up until January and then he was Still their young, player yeah. of the year. He's he's twenty years old. You can't forget he's twenty and young players have have these peaks, troughs, dips. And I think some of the some of the criticism is really harsh that I've seen. Uh, some of it's justified, some of it is. He, he hasn't had probably hasn't had a good game under the Cowleys yet, and I think maybe because he might be right in that they can't find a particular role for him. And may, and you know when he's brought in, he's probably signed in in mind for for Jan Ziva, and maybe he's just finding that it's 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 either a case of trying to find something that works for him. I thought on Saturday at Preston, I thought that would potentially be the role he would see. But you've got Jonathan Hogg, and you've also got Stankovic who can play there. So he's a little bit surplus in, in, in many ways. Could he play centre-back now? Elphick's injured. Would you trust him there with, with, with what we've seen so far? It's, it's a tough call. and he's, all his he's games got for to, England um, as a centre-back have been as a three, haven't they? So it'd be a, it'd be I, a, it'd be a big one to chuck him a, I haven't seen them for a while. But, but, yeah, I, I understand what Simon's saying. I, it, it just it, He hasn't shown enough, but it, Simon's right again in what he said about, you know, if you're picking it at the moment, O'Brien, Og. Bacona. Can he play left back? <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't be any worse. Could have won, could have. No, he couldn't. But yeah, so I'd, for me, I, I, I'm with you both in ways. He's, he doesn't get in the team for me at the minute. He's got to show more. But he's, he, like I say, he's a young lad. He'll come again, hopefully, and hopefully he'll, 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 he'll show something else. And if he doesn't, then, then maybe he has to go back. I'm sure Chelsea won't be overly fussed. So we'll see what we'll see what that brings. So. What I'll do is I'll, I'll segue onto our our next section, and because uh, this one's this one's from you, so what we'll do is we'll we'll listen to a, a clip from an old friend uh, who's uh, who's well, you don't really hang up your boots as a manager, do you? you kind of hang up your whistle, I guess. So uh, we'll play this, and then we'll we'll speak about uh, Huddersfield Town cult hero, maybe Neil Warnock. Hello, hello. Any injuries? No. How can there be any? What a silly question, eh? <laughs> Look at me while I'm talking. The second goal. The first goal. You in soft as shit. You're letting him back into the whole day, you? And not happening. You, you in 
from uh, an old Simon Normanton uh, production <laughs> that you can find on, on YouTube and on some of the old official videos. Cosa, you wanted to talk about Neil Warnock, who's quit from Cardiff and he's, uh, he's yeah. going to bin it off. Uh, it, it, some happy memories it, it's and, really some, weird. and some not so. Oh, it's really weird for me. And a part of me were really sad when I saw the news yesterday because it just felt like the end of an era uh, to me. And part of it does as well with Neil Warnock. It's probably Leeds is the only club that is... Uh, made a mess of it, it really, uh, everywhere else has done a good job, but I just, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd argue it, that, come... I'd argue that I think Leeds would have got relegated with that team that they had if they didn't have Warnock doing what he did, I think they were that bad, and he did, he did a great job in keeping them mid-fable, I, I genuinely thought that, even though it was horrible to watch. Yeah, but I, when I saw it yesterday, I just thought it was really sad, and, and from the outside looking in, obviously, that's what we are, uh, I did feel at the end of last season, the Premier League, when they left, obviously there was the tragedy with Tanner and that, you know, kind of was the beginning of the end for their relegation. But I just felt like it was the time to go for him then. Uh, I did feel maybe it was a season too far. and But, you know, it just seems to be like a joke for managers, doesn't it? This football business and things. And I just wonder if that's it for him. Uh, what is he now? Was he 68, 69 70, years old? Oh, in fact, is he even 70? No, he's, 70. no, he's not 70, is he? But 70. He's not far off. But yeah, it's what a character though. And, the game seems to be so much evolving now, doesn't it? You've got, you know, Big Sam who's busy just, you know, coming out with rubbish on Talk Sports Breakfast Show. Moyes can't get back in. Kirbishley disappeared. Is this the end Good. of a kind of old school <laughs> managers? Ian Dowling, yeah. those, those types, isn't it? <laughs> Alan He's, um, I think, to be honest, Neil Warnock, when, when you look at the way we sometimes play, Preston play, Neil Warnock is the ultimate shithouse manager, isn't he? And, and you've got to love some of it. Some of his comments are so. I'll be honest, as, as a as a town provocative. Fan, I, I'd be hard pressed to find a town fan who got a bad word to say about him. To be honest, for his spelling charge of us, I think he came in at a time when we were absolutely dreadful. He bought some absolutely dreadful players. He just went non-league. Yeah, didn't he? He, he turned them into a fantastic football team. He did one thing that we never thought we'd see, and that would take us to the old Wembley twice and in a year, and then. Yeah. To, to follow it up with a promotion at Wembley again, which, I mean, let's be fair, we'd have all settled for the trip to Wembley and getting beaten out of glass on a NAF game and missing a load of penalties and, you know, we'd have probably took that taxi in town at Wembley. to do it two years. <sighs> Absolutely phenomenal. And were it pretty old time? No, but I tell you what, most of that promotion season, that were proper exciting. That That's my favourite team. That was. Apart from 
That was my favourite ever Huddersfield yeah. team up until the Wagner 16-17 team. I, I absolutely love that I'll tell team. you what, you weren't in any doubts either. The day we rocked up at Blackpool, first game of the season, it was absolutely packed everywhere and you knew what team were going to be and that was the first game of the season and we battered them and that just set the stall. I think we all knew Jepson from day Reed, one yeah. there, two apiece, you know, with Jepson and Reid, 4-1 win. And I, I don't think, think we knew then that they were going to be start of a Vinton. He said himself, didn't he? We should have gone up. We shouldn't have been messing about with playoffs. We were the best team in that league that year. But we went up. I don't think he ever got... I don't think he ever got the credit he deserved. I mean... Cosy, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If you think it's time in the Premier League, the Tevis thing... He got absolutely shafted there. I mean, most people in football don't like him, so they were delighted. That's the only reason for me that they went down. That was scandalous for that to this day. Cardiff, incredible promotion, very similar to ours. Out of nowhere, really, with odds and sods, you know, players. Incredible promotion. Well, buying people I just think that... Peterborough and stuff, you know, he's made a team out of he's never, Apart from what QPR, he's never been given... Oh. license to go and, and spend and he, and he won the league at QPR but I think, he, but I think he likes that doesn't he mm. I think he, he almost like the sort of the trader isn't yeah, he I'm, yeah gonna an old school bats and old school trader bits and bats and budget and it were all about team spirit I mean that team spirit they, they went to that strike force event other night and they were you know building and waxing lyrical about you know Warnock's methods and what he did and the eggs and sherry you remember yeah. the eggs and sherry can't be faulted the, the man has been Brilliant for English football, whatever anybody says. Just feel a bit. You feel a bit sorry for him in some respects. He's never had a chance. At a totally really agree, mate. I it. just think it's never had got, a chance at a think, really big club. There was a Chel- there was a moment where I think he might have got Chelsea, the Chelsea job, yeah. wasn't there? And it, it didn't come about. I think Ken Bates. That were from Notts County, wasn't it? Yeah, and he did such. He took Notts County all the way through from the bottom to the top. Didn't you, he? you look at the amount of promotions he's had. It were almost eight you, or something. Yeah, you were getting him, and he were almost oh, playoffs, and we've won it. I think I think your point that he doesn't get brilliant manager the credit yeah. in the, certainly the national press what he's done previously is, is very. It's the very style, true. isn't it? It's the style of football. It's the style of football that kind of, certainly in, in, in the modern era that people can't really relate or appreciate. But he wins games, he wins games of football, and in terms kind of, of a, building a, a spirit and bringing you all in, you know, it just it just well, we are brilliant, Pion- almost a pioneer in. We had an odd carrier and a, and a builder in central midfield, Richard Logan. Mm. Yeah, you know, you got Logan and Bullock that will cost book at all from. From non non eating in Gainsborough, I think, yeah. and then you've got you know John Whitney. He, he, he went and he yeah. went and got gems. You know, he went and bought characters like you know Pat Scullys and Lee Sinnets and Tom Cowan and play, players who came and 
Gary Crosby yeah, as well. They, they really played for shirt. Then I mean, when Jepson first came, it was awful. But it turned him into one of the most, you know, half of one of the most feared strike forces in that league. Inti Grand, wasn't he, from yeah, Exeter? from yeah. Exeter. And he brilliant. thought, you know, what, what's this? And it, but it were, you know, it, it, it were bloody brilliant. And You're even, even like just had that knack of turning, you know, oh, water yeah. into wine, didn't he? Mm. Into promotion. Yeah. I remember... Uh, I remember Lee Bromby telling me his story because Lee played under him. Lee signed uh, for Neil under she- uh, Sheffield United and they'd been promoted to the Premier League so everyone's loud, the lads are thinking he was the big time where we're going to go pre-season. And he had to, well, I think he's done it with every club he has. He had his famous trip to Cornwall so the lads are like, where are we going, Dubai, what have you. No, we're off to Cornwall and I think he said one other night after the game they all went back to Neil Warnock's house. They had a big barbecue, the beers were flowing and... Uh, his missus was uh, was doing all the cooking and everything like that as well. He just had his, such a unique style, and uh, a part of me felt really sad yesterday that it's uh, you know left from football. I mean, it might be media's game because he'll, he'll have plenty to say and he won't be able to silence him. But from another side, Tam part view that season, there, like you said, from the Blackpool moment to when it looked like the promotion was slipping away, that Shrewsbury you know video you've just kind of mentioned there, where he's obviously where he was swearing that the intro and. The promotion, the Brentford looked like that was slipping away, and incredible I, I think uh, journey. I was devastated when he left in the Sedefisher. Like with that Shrewsbury game, we were awful that day. Weather were awful, game were awful, everything about it were awful. But it, it strikes me as a type who sort of loved that. He loved it when it went all a bit wrong, and he'd summit to sort of get in there and sort out, and you know, he could turn it around, couldn't he? Just what he did. I don't, I don't know the actual game game after, but I can guarantee we won it because that was just what Warnock did. And, you know, it, I th- I'm, I'm with Cosy. I think it's a sad day for football that Neil Warnock's packed it in, but left us with, a, as other Town just, fans, with a lot of good memories. I don't, think, I don't think you'll see many more like him in years to come. No, no, those days are gone now. It, it just seems to be now, guys, that obviously we've got Roy Hodgson still flying the flag at 70, but... Lee, you know, Lee Boyers, your Frank Lampard. It's all about an image. You know, I, I think now it's like if you were a good player. I mean, don't get me wrong, Gerard seems to be doing a job at, at Rangers, but it's that kind of new breed, really. And to me, I just think it doesn't matter what age you are. If you, you know, good at what you do, I still honestly don't think he's got the credit for all them promotions. And yeah, it's probably because yeah. he shoots his mouth off. But yeah, sad day. What's your favourite Warnock moment, Cosy? We'll bring, bring you back in. What's. Uh, one thing I want to say about Warnock as well is he was he's underrated at bringing through young players and as well you look at that Huddersfield team Chris Billy came through didn't he uh, Andy Booth just he, he was he was useless well not useless but he was he was like a human daddy long legs wasn't he who couldn't last longer than Johnny twenty Dyson. minutes John Dyson there's there's some think, some good ones um, Simon Baldry think, yeah think, he came through I think one of mine my favourite moment there were so many but Bradford and Huddersfield were a massive rivalry for where I when I go cricket club that's on the divide Same. and we were both going at Hammer and Tongue that season and it was early doors I think we, we went over there and they were ready for us and and honestly like we were saying at Preston we were kind of I thought a bit weak and we got bullied out we were, didn't get bullied out that afternoon it was one of the greatest afternoons ever that we won I think it was 4-2 or 4-3 might have been I think might have got a late goal down it, I was down in that bus shelter down the side. It was absolutely brilliant. It was everything a football team I wanted to see. We had homegrown lads. We had odd kind of, you know, people just coming from nowhere, but they were putting the foot in. I walked out of there as proud as punch because I just, that was a team that represented me, that would go the extra mile, that I put the foot in. Not like a Congolo who, you know, couldn't be bothered on on Saturday and Shalabar just asking about. We had proper legends in, the, in that team and 
I loved it, mate. He, he, obviously, we're a bit younger and maybe your kind of memory fades a little bit, but he was just on such an exciting journey because the season had been laid last with the autoglass. Obviously, we got beat in the, in the final, but it, and the new stadium, everything was just perfect. I, I was proper devastated when we when we lost him and part of me wonders where instead of Brian Orton where we'd have been but for me that was the greatest moment because I remember going there I can't remember where I was now but back at the cricket club after that night we were all meeting up and I just thought we've got to win there we have to win that because I'm not going there without a you know a win and we were brilliant and uh, yeah what a man uh, football's going to be so sad we are but there's no way we've heard the last of him man I, uh, I never went to that game I decided to burgle somebody's house instead and to this day they never know that it was me <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Neil, what would you say um, your favourite Warnock moment is? Not really a moment, just just that whole season. The whole season, you just knew something were happening. You knew this were a good side. You knew that wherever you went, apart from Shrewsbury, you were getting absolutely everything out of them. And they were giving him everything. They would have walked on broken glass for him. And that's what he did everywhere he went. And I just... just just that season as a whole. It was just a phenomenal season. It's probably not fair to ask you, Simon. I don't think you were you were supporting them, were you? A bit, maybe a bit young. A little bit before my time. But what I would say, it's a lot made about kind of how Warnock is kind of a man's man and that sort of thing. But but what kind of I remember quite well is, is kind of obviously with the tragedy that happened in Cardiff, how he kind of handled that kind of incident and, and how he kind of managed the media. And um, I also thought kind of at that point, then he showed a different side to himself, um, which perhaps... We hadn't necessarily seen before, and there's been a kind of bit of distasteful stuff that's happened afterwards regarding the transfer fee and should it be paid, should it be paid, etc. But I thought in that moment, actually, Warnock kind of showed his true colours as a man and handled himself very, very well. I think for me, my it's not like you, Neil. I don't think I've got a favourite moment, but some of my favourite memories are watching the videos back as a kid and then realize the, the bit where he's in the switch. It's so random. Some of these videos, you watch them back now, and at the time, they were really groundbreaking. Some of the Simon Normanton videos and. And you watch them back now and you think, that's a little bit weird. You know, some of the stuff, like at, at the end where he's in the swimming pool, he's just swimming up in the swimming pool, thanking people. It's like, why is he in the swimming pool? It's a little bit uncomfortable, is this? But he, um, it was just watching those videos back and at the time they were brilliantly put together and it, and it showed the togetherness that they all had, how they all got on and how they all sort of went out and did things together. And, and, you've, and you were made to feel part of that as a fan as well. So it was feeling part of something special and... Uh, all the best to to Neil Warnock and hopefully he absolutely uh, yeah. he's he's not. not I'd, too, I'd like uh, to think he'd come back to a to a town game at some point. I think he'd get hell of a hell of a reception. Right, I think what we'll do, Neil, is uh, we'll uh, we'll rile your uh, danger senses. Hi, I'm Dean Hoyle, and you're entering the danger zone. Neil, we've all we've all had a bit <laughs> of a dance, haven't we? <laughs> we've we've all had a bit of a dance to uh, bit of Kenny Loggins there. Um, I can't I, I can't describe 
how good it is doing this podcast while Cos is on a screen in front of you on Skype. Dancing. Dancing at Danger Zone. <laughs> Weapons. Have I won it, Neil? Have you, you, I won you, it? Yeah, I've just changed it now. <laughs> Brilliant. Go on, Neil. Who's made you froth over the last week? Warnock-style rant. I don't think you can top Neil Warnock, but do you? It's do not you a best. person. It's a it's a a piece of technology. Var, what a load of bollocks that is! I absolutely despise Var. The the decisions that it's making, not making. You go into a grounds. You you be watching football on a Saturday afternoon on the telly. Not that I do often, but they're going to a ground and there's a goal at so and so. And then two minutes later, they're going back saying that goal ain't counted. And then the one, the, the the one that really sent me over edge with that on that weekend with Tottenham and Sheffield United, what an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous decision! I'm still not convinced. No, nah, it's not offside. If, if that's offside, somebody's shoulder blade slightly sticking out. Or, I mean, come on, clear and obvious. They said it was going to be clear and obvious, so it should be daylight. That's clear. That's obvious. So do you think we should change the rules? To I bloody do, yeah. yeah. It's absolutely dreadful. And the, the thing that really made that even worse is the fact that it took four minutes, five minutes... To get to the wrong decision. To get to the wrong decision. I mean, clear and obvious, they should be having... They should put a timer on it. If they can't get a clear and obvious decision in 30 to 45 seconds, it's not clear and obvious... Do you think so there, the original referee's decision on the pitch should stand. We, we covered this a bit last week, but in when you watch Rugby Union, which is a, a sport that makes me and Cosy hiss, but if you watch Rugby Union, they have the TMO, and you can hear the referees talking to each yeah. other, and you can hear it around the ground. Do you yeah. think that would be much better? Um, that's such bad English there, much, much better. Then, do you think it'd be? Do you think it'd be a lot more conclusive in that um, you something. could hear what's going on, there and therefore you don't feel disenfranchised got, from, you've from got what's going 30, on? 40, 50, 60,000 people just completely in dark as to what the bloody hell's going on, and it's almost it's turning it's turning it into an absolute farce. It's a pantomime, and it's just it's just wrong. It shouldn't take four minutes to decide whether it's a goal or not. It's either off or is not. And I was just, why aren't, why aren't the referees going over and using the screen on the touchline? Why, why isn't that happening? Surely, as the man who's on the pitch making the decision, surely he should be the one going and have a look himself. All he's got to do is jog over to the touchline, have a look. From the minute he gets there, he's got 30, 40, 30 to 45 seconds to decide whether it's right or wrong, move on. But, and then you've got one the day after in the Liverpool Man City game. Is it a pen? Is it a free kick? It's just absolutely bonkers. He's sat offside, but we didn't check that one. That was just no, stood. No, no. Crack on. I think what's really irked me this week is um, there's an interview with a guy called Neil Swarbrick, who's a kind of former Premier League referee, yeah. but he's now kind of head of VAR, if you like, for the FA. And he's come out and I think and, and been asked to kind of describe how VAR is working at the moment. He's gone giving it a kind of a bit of a blase answer, seven-ish out of ten. Well, that just kind of says to me that it's sort of tuned with what kind of fans and supporters are saying about the concept. Um, the, the that kind of requires more drastic action. Ten decisions, right? Well, it's a shambles. I completely agree, but it just for me, kind of, I, I, there's been a lot of negativity around VAR. But for him to come out and say that, it feels like him very much saving face and not actually representing or understanding what kind of fans are fans are after. Just to come back on on the, um, you don't care about fans. That's the problem. They they couldn't give us stuff 
about the paying public in the state. This is all about people watching at home. It's drama for those who don't go. If you're in the ground, you get into the stage now where people aren't celebrating. Pe- people are just stopping celebrating, and it will end up where it's completely sanitised and people won't celebrate a goal because they'll just wait for a VAR decision all the time. That ain't football. And if as soon as that starts happening more and more and more, football's done as a spectacle, in my opinion. VAR, so, yeah, VAR getting bin, it's shit. Good place to end, I think, the danger zone. So VAR is in the danger zone along with our friends Barry Sheerthouse and uh, I'm sure Ken Davey will be in there for his uh, conserv- oh. <laughs> conservative efforts as well. So. Oh, guys, do it. C- what about that news that broke? Can you believe that? It's, <laughs> not, like, it's not like Ken Davey to be out of touch <laughs> with the Huddersfield that. public, is it? <laughs> Barry Sherman and then Ken Davey. Just, I thought it was April the first when do, I saw that. Do you know what the it's most astonishing? Do you know what the, the most astonishing thing about that was, Cosy? That Barry Sherman is <laughs> older what? than Ken Davey. That absolutely stunned me. With that. <laughs> what? <laughs> They'd be better off getting those two that sit on balcony and Muppets, wouldn't they? Than them two. They'd be a lot. They'd make more sense. And all what do you call them two Muppets that sit in balcony? Oh, uh, Danny G would know this. Yeah, he would. Start, start, start or something. I can't remember. Something. Statler and some yeah. other in it. Seventy-eight what? is Ken Davy. Yeah, and she from, for me, from, 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 from a politician though, you want someone's going to be quite dynamic and someone's going to be able to kind of put kind of lots of time and energy into things. There's the age of seventy-nine. Yeah, that dynamic and Davy just don't go together, do they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dynamic Davy. That's his new. That's it. There's, there you go, son. You can have that one on us. Dynamic Davy. What a choice, eh? Barry or Barry or Ken? Uh, Crikey, lucky, knows, lucky. He knows all about cuts Ken anyway. So, so yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Neil, why don't you talk us through um, the Strike Force night? Uh, See it now. Sports did a a really good event. Uh, some of the proceeds went to Town Foundation, I think. Did they? Yeah, it was all in, in the end of the Town Foundation. Excellent. It was brilliant. Um, you got five strikers on night. If you're Nora, you and Roberts, Andy Booth, Duncan Shearer, who legend and was hilarious. Uh, he, he didn't hold back, and uh, the one and only Mr. Marcus Stewart, which. Housewife's favourite. Everybody's favourite. I think would all argue. Neil, Neil, Neil. Go on. What is what is the two? You must have asked him. Put it to bed now. <laughs> Marcus Stewart, the sale. Come on, mate. Everyone must have asked it. Give us an exclusive on here. Those I think go. He just basically said, and he was asked the question. He just basically said that Bruce didn't want him. They'd been offered, and they took the money. Simple as that. Something Bruce denies to yeah, this day. But it's. Um, yeah. Wow. He said he, he get called in. He, got, he went to training, got called in nine o'clock. Assistant manager at the time, whoever that was, um, got called in. John Go see Steve Bruce, and he just said, "We've had a bid from Ipswich. We've accepted it. It's up to you whether you want to talk to him or not." So Marcus Stewart, he, he just said he went out to his car, sat in his car for ten minutes, and made his mind up. He said, "Cause," and, and it was asked then, "Was it a difficult choice to decide to leave?" He said no because they didn't want me. So I went where I wanted. No regrets. Which, from our point of view, it took us twenty years to recover. But from Marcus Stewart's point of view, it was a, it was a great move, wasn't it? He almost played for England, didn't he? Yeah. So, but yeah, I tell you what, though, what what a great man. There, there were no, in fact, all five of them, no airs and graces like you get with some of these modern day footballers. They were all just proper blokes. Happy to come and have a chat. Happy to come and have a sit down, have a drink with you, and. Just, I mean, they told us all sorts. To be honest, there were some, there were some good tales going about. But uh, 
Duncan Shea were particularly funny. Good, um... If he and if he and it were good to see him. And I, the fact when he came back in that second spell, let's be honest, he were finished. Well, but they, he still contributed. Question about Lincoln. Um, when he can you remember when he went in that um, rumble oars? Oh fast, yeah, yeah. He got the stuck, fastest didn't he? player Brilliant. thing, yeah. and uh, he got to final at Wembley as one of representatives because he qualified. <laughs> you and Roberts told us about this, and Jacko were there. Jacko were in the audience, and they were renowned as being three sort of in it together's. And uh, you and Roberts asked a question. You asked him about the Rumble Oz Cup race down at Wembley, and if he said he could tell it was going to be bad, he just started laughing. And uh, basically, what had happened was all the players who were taking part had been told via the club that they could take family down and wives and girlfriends and kids and all that. So the, <laughs> Jacko and you and Roberts didn't tell you for this. They told him that he could take a couple of his teammates down. So when they rocked up, everyone's there with kids and wives and girlfriends, whatever else. And if he's there with Jacko and you and Roberts, <laughs> and they basically just ended out out beer. Still in saw about three in the morning. They had to meet at eight in the morning. Riffy says he could barely see. Absolutely <laughs> ruined. And he'd been practicing the start of the on your mark get set and wait for it gun. And he says, Oh, well, that drunk big time he'd done gun. Everyone else had done 20 yard. So <laughs> but yeah, we just, uh, they, they were good value. All, all, all five of them were really, really good value. I mean, obviously, we, we know everything about Boothy. Um, and they were asked about who was there. Most hated manager that they played for. Um, Marcus Stewart abstained from saying that, but it's Steve Bruce. Um, <laughs> the end. Um, who else abstained? <laughs> if, if, if he abstained from saying that as well, Ewan Roberts says, I've got no such qualms about outing, though I won't say it, um, but he said the worst one that he's ever, ever played for was Stan Turnant. Um, when he were at Gillingham, and they nearly came to blows. And uh, Ewan Roberts had basically told Stan to go forth and multiply whilst he was still on the pitch. And they were ended up nose-to-nose on team coach on way home. And Boothy's, no surprise, he, he were quite happy to say it as well, was uh, Mick Wadsworth. Do you reckon Boothy was behind their website, mickwadsworth.com? <laughs> Could well have been. <laughs> Could well have been. But he told. It, I'm, in fact, I'm going to tell it now, because there were people there who were in public debate on it. There were, um, Boothy told us a tale about there were away at Cardiff. In fact, I've told you all this before, Anna, but they were away at Cardiff at Ninian Park. They were getting absolutely battered at half time, 4 0. Came in at half time, and Mick Wadsworth went into a tirade about how bad all these players are. I'll, I won't give you all the expletives, but it was lengthy um, about how bad they were. It was definitely doubt of the players, they were all bad. He loved himself as a manager, said it was nothing to do with him. He rated himself. He knew he was a good manager. It was all down to the players. And then proceeded to say, I'm done. I pack it out. I pack it in. I'm gone. And walked out, resigned at half time. And then Boothy were captain that day. So they all got their heads together when they'd stopped laughing when he'd gone. <laughs> Went out for second half. Drew it nil nil, which in the scheme of things, good second half. Uh, and then when they got back to the change room, Mick was just waiting for them to compliment him on what a great half of football. His halftime tea talk had certainly worked and he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and that, that story were to go no further. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant. It was just a, 
<laughs> a, a great night, and end of it, they've raised a few bob. And I tell you what, mate, um, we do the those were the days segment on this with Lee Morris's book. I actually, met Lee Morris on the night. Uh, great lad. I've invited him to come on pod. He's going to come and do a, a podcast with us one week. And just a little plug for his book because he deserves it because it's a bloody great book. Um, he's actually, and I, I promised him I'd do this, so I'm going to do it. He's actually at um, Uddersfield Library on Monday the 18th at 6 o'clock doing a, a meet the authors with another chap on an, another book that's not to do with town. But those were the days. Fully fully recommend it. It's a cracking book. So if you want to go meet him and get a copy, he's there on Monday. Cool. Okay. We'll uh, we'll come back to you after this. Brian picks it up. Off a miscontrol by Njaye. It falls to Bakuna who releases Diakabi down the right. And suddenly Town are building a chance. Here's Bakuna arriving. Bakuna smashes it into the back of the net. Return pass by Diakabi. Janine Bakuna's broken. He's stuck for the season. Shortly after coming over the sub. Oh boy, did he take his chance. It's Stugdale. Huddersfield Town won. And there is Huddersfield Town's most important goal of the season so far. They are minutes away from their first victory of the campaign. Happy times indeed, Mr. Bakuna. So, Cosy, we've got two home games coming up, so there's probably not going to be a podcast next week with the international break. Um, so Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez are having lots of fun at the minute but our next two games coming up are Birmingham City and Swansea in quite quick succession what changes would you guys make we'll, we'll briefly touch upon this before we, we wrap everything up but what changes would you guys make or would you do anything different or do you think it's a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater if we make too many changes Cosy we'll go to you first in Spain we to know who's fit uh, really mate don't we uh, I think the good thing is the Dubai us up that warm weather and uh you know, kind of a few injuries, uh, it kind of healed and that as well. Obviously, I'm a Pritchard fan. He's a creative midfielder. We need them kind of people. I, I'd have him in. Uh, I think the two different games out there coming up, Birmingham, I think Swansea is going to be, and again, a, a really big test. I, I, it's probably the first big home test, Swansea, isn't it? Then, you know, since the Cowlers come over, since Shepherd Wentz really with, when you say no disrespect, but basically means all disrespect to everyone else that we've played before. But, I think it's one of those, a bit like the Brentford-Preston uh, back-to-backs. I think I'd like to see us get something from the Birmingham game to alleviate the pressure on the Swansea game. But yeah, I'd sit, I'd sit Shalabar down uh, on the bench. Uh, I like Mooney, but if if he is going in January, as much as it pains me to say, it's a bit like the Bale situation kind of in Madrid at, at the moment and, and same with one or two other players. You would think that... Mooney would be better option up front than some of the others but if he's not going to be around in January similar to Bill what's the point of playing him part of me is kind of in my head thinking well I'm going to make you pay their wages they should give everything but then as we've seen with Congo on Saturday maybe that, that's kind of not the case as, as well so I'd probably start Pritchard especially two home games as well you know Mooney it's an option but he's not going to probably go with up front is he and it's available uh, for me. Grand out wide. The three uh, missed on Saturday up. walking. Og, cool. Og, Campbell, yeah. Brown, if they're available, they all walk straight back in for me because mm. they were missed massively. I'm, I'm also, I'm probably because a little bit, I probably be tempted to chuck Pritchard in as well. I think we need that a little bit of creativity, a little bit of something different. And I'd be tempted to, if I was sacrificing one of the midfield who played, it'd be, Og walks back in. Um, 
put Pritchard back in, leave Louis O'Brien, I'd leave Chalabar and Bakuna out. I think probably similar to what you've described, I'd probably maybe try a 4 2 3 1, I think, against Birmingham. Um, just try a bit more offensive. Um, and that kind of allows you to introduce Pritchard. So midfield two of kind of uh, Hogan O'Brien, three ahead of him being Grant on the left, which seems to be his kind of better position at the moment. Kind of certainly was quite ineffective up front on his own against Preston. Kachunga on the right, Pritchard at number 10, and then Fraser Campbell ahead of him. Um, that's probably the kind of the. Uh, See, my only problem with that really is the the lack of height, especially coming to set pieces. We're a little bit, a little bit short of uh, short of height there. That's why you maybe look at Steve Mounier instead of Campbell if if he would do it. The only problem with Steve Mounier is he doesn't run the channels like the Cowleys want, and I think that's probably part of the problem why he's, he's not playing. I but think, I think we, we massively missed Campbell on Saturday. I think he would he would a big big miss purely because he's mobile effort and is a leader, mm-hmm. and we haven't got too many of them. No, and Hogs Hogs actually better in the air than he probably gets credit for as well. But yeah, so is there any news on Elphick, guys? Uh, any yet. news on Elphick? I've not seen not any yet, of the no. from Dubai. I've seen a few pictures. What have you? Is it? Has he gone? Has he travelled there? Or uh, what I no, read is that he hasn't travelled. Do I know? The, the article that I read was he's going to have a scan on yesterday, and that he might actually join the group. Um, obviously, depending on the outcome of that. But I think I haven't heard anything there. since then. And it's probably I, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll find out. No, the Cowleys kind of keep, yeah. keep injuries under wraps. Don't we'll they? we'll find out at two o'clock before Birmingham game. Yeah, I think the left back's an think, interesting uh, one as well. I think uh, you've got Hadijanai or Congolo at left back, haven't you? And it's an interesting one who you pick there as well, isn't there? We well, don't know if Jaden Brown's back or not. Well, true, we, true, but it doesn't look just, great. Just want to shout out as well, guys. Uh, big up to the club as well because we're so lucky to have a club like ours. I mean. I'm bringing Spain into it. Some of the prices I'm paying for just average games are ridiculous. And also, Town Swansea again, the game, yeah, you could say, well, it's on midweek, it's on Sky and the Red Button and what have you. But again, the club are going out all the, the stops to try and get people, you know, in there. Is it, you bring a mate for what have you and that as well. So, there's, our club does a lot to get try and get people through the turnstiles. And I hope it's uh, back. I'm back for that game. So, hopefully, that should swell the attendance. Uh, <laughs> 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 Right, so I think oh, God, what yeah. we'll do is we'll we'll finish off now. So uh, what I'd like to do is cast your minds back to the start of the game against Preston, and there was um, something which caught my ears, which at first offended me, and then I actually started quite shamefully quite liking, and it, it got into my head, and it was in my head on the way home and Saturday night, and it was a little bit frustrating, but obviously quite good, and I'm going to uh, just. Cosy, you obviously weren't there, so I'm just going to remind you, remind you guys, if you just remember this. Right, let's have a bit of sport. Oh. Whiff. Right. Get down. Come and get us a bob reel, will you? So fast. You do no onions on me, hot dog. It's you, it's you, it's you. P.N.E., P.N.E., we love you, P.N.E. They played this full vote game cause about five minutes ago. Don't come from Blackpool or from Burnley. The crowd don't cheer Lancashire. Turn that off. What do you reckon to cause it? At first it is horrible and then it kind of gets its claws into you and then it's horrible. It's horrible. It doesn't get any claws into you. I don't know, but that's no, it's no Ebenezer lining in the Cowshed Boys, is it? Well, the funny thing you should say that, because I thought, what kind of, what reminds me of, of this song? 
that's enough of that. But what reminds me of that song, and is there anything sort of that Huddersfield Town may have done over the last 40 years, which which could remind you of uh, of that? And maybe we could go out with uh, a little bit of this, which is uh, maybe our version from 30 years ago. Or maybe a little bit longer. I think this is from 1983. You can do your pop pickers now, Neil. I've got this on 70 single at home, so true story. Because it's dancing again. This game is football since the football we began. We'll follow them to hell and back. We'll answer every call. We think they are the greatest team that's ever kicked a ball. Go on, Cosy. I've never heard this. I've never heard this. incredible. Really? You genuinely never heard this song? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm sure. Wow. There's none that ever will get yeah. the best team in the land. The biggest team in football since the football <laughs> began. We'll follow them to hell and back. We'll answer every call. We think they are the greatest team that's ever kicked a ball. Right, so I think that's it for episode 47. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, sorry there is no Twitter polls this week, but... Um, we'll be back on that next week and also if you do fancy getting involved more we may be doing a, a, a couple more vocal sessions from Twitter as well so if you fancy offering your opinion um, in the form of audio please get in touch with me via DMN Hi DMing the Hi It's all going on <laughs> DMing me DM us at the uh, official Twitter or Facebook or Instagram accounts whichever one is best for you or email me Chance.com. We've got some more articles up online. If you've got a, uh, a spare five minutes, uh, www.takesthatchance.com. But as for now, I'm just going to leave you with this.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.